Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move when the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. All right. It's an honor to be with you, Matt Gal. Thanks for being on Spectrum's Adventist Voices podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks. So I thought it would be interesting to talk with you because of what you do. Um, can you explain briefly what you do? <laughs> <laughs> so currently uh, I work in healthcare administration. So I work for Adventist Health um, to be differentiated from Advent Health, which is primarily based in Florida. Adventist Health is based in California, have also a footprint in uh, Oregon and Hawaii as well. So I work in the space that we call population health, um, which I think had its origins in managed care a few decades ago and kind of fell out of favor and it's been kind of um, new on the scene again. Um, and in particular, my role is called the regional director of capitation and population health. We can talk about this a little bit later, but capitation is a feature of population health. Okay. Uh, working in the healthcare administration space. Great. Well, I, I thought it would be interesting to hear about what population health means. So can you just define that term for folks who aren't familiar with it? I'll do my best. And okay. I say it that way because you could ask a lot of different people in healthcare what it means and they give you a different answer. But big picture, what I understand it to mean is that rather than focused on, on care for one individual patient and the complexities of their own case, you look at a more defined population and the features of that population. And that can include things like economic components, um, job opportunities, um, environmental, social, and you end up putting a bunch of analytics, like a really good uh, provider group who does really good population health tends to have really developed analytics because you've looked really deeply at the demographics of your population. And you end up designing um, care around those particular groups and meeting those specific social needs as well. So do you enjoy what you do? I do, yeah. I've had several different jobs in healthcare. This is the one that, that I've enjoyed the most so far. And what is it about population health, the health that's interesting to you? Yeah, um, I mean, great health, all of the components of great healthcare are needed, but I think what resonates with me the most is um, with my specific role, the patients that we're caring for, um, we're incentivized by the, the structure of the model itself to emphasize prevention and wellness. So rather than what we call kind of a fee-for-service model in healthcare, mm -hmm. which you're, in that sort of world, you're, you're incentivized to do more and more and more of whatever procedures or care that you do. And that's not intrinsically a bad thing. It just means you're incentivized to do more of those things. And it just takes away focus and emphasis on prevention and wellness, which is for a lot of people, um, depending on what the, the nature of their health is, it's it's obvious, but it's better to focus on prevention and wellness and keep them away from those more invasive or acute uh, procedures or care. Yeah, it seems that it connects in with um, um, mission in really interesting ways. And also it connects in with um, kind of larger 
um, social values in really interesting ways. So can you kind of talk about how the mission is interesting to you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of reflect here a little bit kind of as I answer. Um, I, I, so I grew up in, I grew up in the Adventist church, um, and spent about a decade going to seminary and being a pastor. And so, so I've always had a concept of mission and making a difference. And, um, in my kind of healthcare work have struggled a bit personally to connect my work with what felt like mission to me. That's my own personal experience. People find it in all kinds of different roles, but I think uh, there's a number of reasons why I think this is important as my own kind of personal and spiritual journey has kind of developed. And now as I find myself working in, in, in a business and, and not doing work like pastoring that I used to associate much more strongly with mission, um, to be focused on providing care and, and, and building programs around prevention and wellness just for some reason touches that for me. Um, that makes me connect personally with mission much more. Obviously, at, at the, the, the roots of Adventist healthcare, our, our original you know, models of care were around prevention and wellness. And so for me, that touches back to that, which is, um, I think, really important. And I can touch on this a little bit from a, for a sort of a civic standpoint, a national standpoint. I don't think it's overstating it to say we have a healthcare crisis. Sure. Um, we spend, one of the measures I've heard used is by way of comparing is that in the U.S., our healthcare costs as a percentage of GDP is like 18%, which is almost double the number compared to other, some other developed nations. And our health outcomes are worse. And it's just a crisis. That's a lot, a lot of money. And it's connected to a lot of poor health uh, mm -hmm. across the nation. So I think those things all kind of fused together for me. I was kind of, as I, I'm not a pastor anymore, I was looking for kind of that next step in my professional life. Uh, and then also working for an Adventist organization and kind of trying out different roles. Um, for me, this kind of connected some of those pieces. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I think Adventists are sometimes um, kind of caught between the past and the future and trying to understand what present truth means for us today. And, um, you know, there's a whole section of Adventists who look at the sanitariums and they look at kind of personal health as the way that we did it in the past um, and God blessed us then. So they often will question what we're doing in big health care. Um, why are we running hospitals? Why are we using the world's medicine and the world's models? Um, can you talk a little bit, because it seems to me the little that I uh, know about population health, that it um, kind of helps uh, um, move away from just the, well, let's say the, the, um, the kind of traditional model of health that makes us think about individuals, but it also um, kind of moves us away from thinking about um, healthcare as um, just driven by money. Now, I know that 
it has to make sense for the bottom line. But can you kind of work us through that? Yeah, <laughs> try. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I would start with saying I don't. I think for those who write off the health, the traditional model of healthcare altogether. I don't think it takes too many examples or personal experiences of a loved one or yourself to need an invasive cardiac surgery or some, you know, to really take stock of the value and importance of that. But I think if we're looking for something, my own experience of Avenus is we truly one of the gifts is that we view life and ourselves, our very existence and the nature of who we are very holistically Mm -hmm. and comprehensively. Sure. And I think if we're, taking those same values to what does it look like for Adventists? What's a healthy way for Adventists to operate healthcare institutions? Um, there are certainly dangers to run things too much from a dollar standpoint. Mm-hmm. I, that's absolutely a danger. I think to take where we are at now, which is to have some really incredible healthcare institutions and systems who have done really, really good work and, um, are, are nationally known for some of their some of their things, and then to to modulate and and add to the entire delivery system of what we do, an emphasis on prevention and wellness. I think that's the way to go. I don't think it's to give up our expertise hmm. and our our well earned um, yeah expertise and all and all parts of the healthcare delivery system. Um, but to take it for, for all kinds of different reasons, from a national reason, from a denominational spiritual reason, to, to if you look at that very, very, you know, comprehensively, I think it's I think it's necessary for us to begin spending and for our healthcare leaders out there who are running our systems, I think it's gonna take guts. Mm-hmm. Because we do everybody has a boss and everybody answers to somebody else and it's always driven by a budget and a bottom line. But I think it's going to take guts from our healthcare leaders uh, in, in, our, in our institutions to say this other stuff's really, really important. This prevention and wellness, a comprehensive approach to healthcare, which includes mind, body, spirit. Um, I think that's the future. Hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the specifics of it? How you um, look at a population and, and um, how you um, administer care? Yeah, I'll just use, there's all kinds of different ways this can work. So I'll just use uh, the example as in my current work. So in my role, we have um, what we call a managed Medicaid plan. Mm-hmm. In California, it's called Medi-Cal. But we literally have a set number of assigned lives. So we know exactly who they are. And we get essentially um, Medicaid dollars through the state of California to provide the care. And... Um, we get a set dollar amount every month for each person, no matter if they need tons and tons and tons of care and it's super costly or this particular person doesn't come in at all. And so our, our emphasis then is to make this person healthier in the outpatient setting, which is where you do prevention and wellness. Sure. So we try and build up um, our primary care and our outpatient specialty care and, and design care pathways in the outpatient setting so that we're treating people on the front end. Um, an example would be um, for diabetes, we have a, 
in the context of where I work, we have a lot of people with, with diabetes. So we are designing what we call um, chronic disease management tracks or care pathways that's embedded in the primary care setting. And so we'll take a look at our population and say, this is what we know about our population. This is how many people we know struggle with this or are diagnosed with this. Um, take all of our evidence-based clinical information about what the best way to manage diabetes is and we'll literally have engagement teams as part of our outpatient strategy and say, we, we know who you are. We have your phone number. We have all your information. We're going to engage you proactively and, and uh, um, yeah, draw you into, invite you into this care pathway. And so the cool part about it, I think, um, just a sad fact of life is whatever you're incentivized for, that's what, that's what you're going to end up working for. Yeah. And so um, we're incentivized keep people from just strictly a financial standpoint out of, out of being an inpatient, out of the hospital, which now there are checks and balances there. So for people who are listening, I don't want you to get too concerned. There are checks and balances. We, we do provide the care that's needed at the right time, but um, we shift our spend and our dollars towards really effective prevention and, and, and wellness tactics through the primary care office. Um, so yeah, that's sort of a little bit about how that works. So it's really, it's really, it's really taking a look at your population, saying what things are they struggling with, um, and also utilizing um, your community agencies. So there's some things we don't do well um, in Lake County, part of where we operate. There's a lot of homeless people there, so the the team at Lake County has taken a lot of effort and worked with community agencies and 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 also funding out of their own resources. Um, you know, temporary housing, which lets people get back on their feet, um, all kinds of assistance there that can help them kind of take a step forward as they choose to. But um, it, it's really it's it's really creating kind of a, a, a continuum mm-hmm. um, and linking together not only your own resources you choose to fund things out of, but also connecting with the other available resources in the community as well. Hmm. You know, it sounds like the sort of thing, at least part of what you're talking about, um, I've heard churches talk about, you know, uh, folks will get up and make an appeal to help homeless folks, let them stay in the church or set up some sort of feeding program. And this seems like it's a little bit more of a systematic um uh, model that's connecting not and thinking not just about a person's um, sort of um, disease-driven um, needs, um, but also the larger factors that are um, contributing to their kind of lack of well-being. So uh, my question for you is, you know, um, you know, when I hear folks excited about the future of Adventism. They're talking about social justice. They're talking about eco-justice, racial justice. Um, They're using language, pointing out that Jesus cared for the least of these. And it sounds like Adventist healthcare has the opportunity to actually do this, that connects in with those really specific kind of future-focused parts of of the Adventist vision. Um, how, How do you see it? Yeah, I can only reference kind of my own experience here in Adventist Health in California. When we typically think about what makes money in healthcare, it's usually based around a commercial population. Yeah. Because those are the better payers. 
One of the uniquenesses about Adventist Health is that they've identified a way to to be a successful and viable business and organization by like their primary, the things they do the best are care for people who are, have less advantages. Yeah. So it's your Medicaid population or you're uninsured. And, you know, I certainly they found a way to, to, to make money off of that and to have a viable organization. But from a structural standpoint, they have found a way um, to invest a ton of resources into caring for people who just have less. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I must say, as I've sort of gotten much closer to the boots on the ground folks who are our, our medical assistants and our nurses and our LVNs and our nurse practitioners and our doctors, I've just been so impressed by the, the natural passion they have to care for people. So I, I come with an administrator's kind of a finance brain, and I've just I've learned so much and been blown away by the true passion by which they chose their career in the first place. And so when we're when we're looking for opportunities to um, to care for people in ways that that touch that social justice space, and gosh, healthcare. I mean, I, I've been lucky. I've had as much healthcare as I ever needed my whole life. <laughs> but what would I do? Uh, you know, what would I do if I didn't have it or couldn't afford it? I, I, I think it's just so, I think it's just so important and, and to have an organization that, you know, certainly for the Adventists, you know, are listening here, um, who are looking for ways to make a difference. I think our healthcare institutions, our Adventist healthcare institutions are responding to that. And I see even in our other, the other systems that I don't work for much more of an emphasis on mission integration or mission integration departments are getting much bigger. And those are, those are individuals with expertise who are trying to make sure that we are connecting with the community in ways that they really need. Um, So I see it happening. You know, it is part of it. Sometimes it does feel like a big machine Mm -hmm. and it's complex and healthcare is changing all the time, but I do see more investment, more intention from, from really high up leaders who are taking a look at this and saying, we need to make sure we haven't lost our soul and, and keep plugging into those things that really touch people where they need it. That's great. Well, I've got one last question for you. And that is, as you're thinking about what's um, kind of shaping up for the future, you know, if there's somebody out there who's kind of looking at the Adventist church and seeing a lot of policy discussions happening and feeling kind of bummed out by the institution, um, what do you see as sort of a, I don't know, a hopeful direction for where Adventist institutions are headed? Yeah, I guess I guess I start from the place where I, I believe I believe our even our policies and our structure are meant to be interpreted as the real action and, and the power comes from the grassroots level. Mm-hmm. It comes from our church members and our churches, our individuals in our churches who um, they they make Adventism what it is. Um, when I when I look at when I look at healthcare, Adventist healthcare, I, I think I th- I think just as powerful as it is for a for a church an Adventist church member to to be the real difference makers in the world, I see the boots on the ground administrators and clinicians in Adventist healthcare making a difference. They have ten to fifteen to twenty opportunities every day in the clinic to exude Christ 
Mm. Um, in these big complex organizations, it's still each individual interaction with the patient is the opportunity to the opportunity to exude Christ. And so when I think about the big structure of, of healthcare, yeah, it takes it takes big teams of people with expertise to move that thing forward. But if you always it always comes down to interactions with patients. And so I think if people are looking for hope and looking for either evidences of healthy Adventism in, in healthcare or the opportunity to do it themselves, it's all the opportunities are always there. And I think I think if a person has a passion for healthcare or an interest in healthcare, even as a volunteer, like it's there. There's countless patients um, who who you can have the opportunity to make an impact in. And and I don't imagine that hope has actually changed since 1863. <laughs> I think there's things that concern us and that we care about, and um, from an you know overall administration level. But it, it hasn't changed at all our daily opportunities to make a difference. Well, it's a great place to end. It's been really um, encouraging chatting with you today. Thanks for talking with uh, the Spectrum community. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear.